I'm glad I didn't I'm see it. I'm excited here. I'm excited to get my pizza. <laughs> Welcome to the Motorcycles and Useless Podcast here at the Recycle Garage and Sunny, Santa Cruz, California. Now here's the hostess with the mostest. Thanks, Suri. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded horrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I had to record that in the car. So it's the only thing that talks to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, everyone. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage. And as my car said, here in the very sunny Santa Cruz, California. Actually, mm-hmm. we got a heat wave happening, which means all you on the East Coast next week, expect some hot weather. So in the garage tonight, got a good bunch tonight. We got Zach running the board. Uh-huh. You got me, Liza, the hostess with the mostest. Yeah, okay. Hey now. <laughs> Over in the corner we got Matt. Hello. There you go. Glad to be here. And we got Jay, the the Canadians. Yeah. Hello everybody. <laughs> Jay's returning. And we got next to me we got Naked Jim. Hey, hey, hey. Then we got Bagel. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> 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 on the couch with the cat we got cat oh hi and we got <laughs> douglas uh what's happening we got trevor hi guys hi trevor hi you sound actually really sexy now it's <laughs> I'm looking it's, at it's one of them things that comes along with a smoker yeah. and then we got right. charlie in the corner why is everything coming threes <laughs> <laughs> But it's right. Odd numbers, dude. <laughs> the three stands. Brilliant. Like, three is the magic number. Yep. Stability, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, but let's <clears throat> get to hey our big guest tonight. I want to thank, again, returning, we got Cody Webb here with us. Woo-hoo-hoo! Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cody, you have been shaking the world up. Let me just kind of cover and, tell, and correct me if I'm wrong. So you won the... Uh, Super Enduro again. Enduro Cross. You, see, enduro I can't, I, I just you almost had it. it. You won the Enduro Cross. You are the Enduro Cross champion. Woohoo! And we will get to Super Enduro, what happened there for those who haven't watched. I'm not going to announce how well you did at Super Enduro, but you rocked. Let's just say you rocked the entire season. Uh, and then you did a little thing called King of the Moto, which I'm calling King, of the, King of the Crazy Mountain. <laughs> and, oh yeah, you happen to win that one too, and uh, and then you happen to also get a diploma. So which one of those are you proudest of? Well, I probably, I guess enduro cross. It's hardest to back up a, uh, a championship back to back. But on the side of the p- diploma, everyone thought it was a diploma. But I posted a photo of a paper I got from San Jose State, and it was basically. It looked like a diploma, but it said, like, you have made the dean's list two semesters in a row, and no one read it, and I guess you didn't read it either. (laughs) I did it. But I was proud of that, you know? So I was traveling the world, doing my thing, and also making the... I don't know if it was the official dean's list, but I got good grades, so I got a cool piece of paper. Well, we gave you a promotion. You pay thousands of dollars for education to get a cool piece of paper, so you know I'm proud of it. (laughs) No, I that piece of paper feels fucking good, man. (laughs) I I think it's really amazing what you're accomplishing professionally, and then 
managing to go to a school full time. That's that's pretty impressive to me. So yeah, good on you, man. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. So when are you graduating? I graduate in a in a couple of weeks. I don't know the official date. But I won't even be there for my graduation because I'm going racing. But didn't you just, I think he just graduated not long ago from the school of, I'm a badass motherfucker on a motorcycle. <laughs> I think he's teaching that doctorate um, coming up shortly. Because after watching your Red Bull season, you know, Germany last year and then everything this year, it's just, it's it's awesome. It's the most fun motorsport to watch I've ever, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I'm going to say I have become a true fan of Super Enduro and Enduro Cross and I think it is the most exciting motorsport racing I have seen, especially this last season. I mean, hands down. I mean, w- would you argue with that, Cody? Oh, the racing has been unreal. Like, the guys are just pushing it to a whole new level. It's cool yeah. that I'm right there when it's happening, but, man, it's getting really intense battles and racing, and just to see how, like, it's almost like there's no roof, and everyone just keeps raising it more and more, and it's it's making incredible races. And so, just for people who are uh, new to, to to this, who aren't familiar with this sport, are we calling it Super Enduro or Enduro Cross? What do you call it? I mean, these are two different... We'll just stick it to Enduro Cross. We'll Enduro Cross, okay. With Enduro Cross. But you... doesn't FIM call it Super? Is that what it is? Well, it's two different the sports. FIM, they don't know what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> oh! So, can you just quickly describe the difference between Supercross and Enduro Cross? So Supercross is, you know, it's been around since the 70s or something like that. It's really well-known, popular, has huge sponsorship packages, owned by Feld. It's pretty corporate. And, uh, you know, it's just all the guys you see in the magazines, Ryan Dungey, all those guys just doing triples and jumps and whoops. And, you know, they got pretty crazy courses. But then, you know, you you look at Endurocross, it's a little smaller scale. But you have all the mixture of all the world's best off-road riders. And, you know... People going riding on the weekends, it's not a supercross rider. It's just your average average Joe going out who goes and rides at the off-road park. So, you know, Enduro Cross has got everything you'll see in an off-road race mixed into a, a spectator-friendly arena for people to see. And there's a lot of chaos going on. When people are hitting logs wide open and hitting rock sections oh. and water holes, there's a, there's a lot of carnage. And, you know, luckily the speeds aren't quite as high as supercross, so the injuries aren't as, you know, season-ending and devastating as what they – that's what supercross guys deal with and in my personal opinion the racing's way more tight and intense and just people need to see it and more physical i think possibly i'm not gonna, yeah i'm not gonna hate on supercross guys because you know they're obviously no, 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 really no. talented but, too but there's there's just definitely a lot going on i can't even hold on after a couple laps because it's so intense but you know i give it my all and it's it's definitely rough and Vigorous. No, watching uh, Supercross, we went to Supercross this year, and people kind of find their line and their groove. And once the pack kind of spreads out, it's it's a lot of finesse and speed and air. But in the Enduro Cross, it's different every time. You're hitting, you're finding a different path. You have rocks and truck tires and things. It's not a clear path. And then you throw in uh, lappers. What do you call them? Lappers, um, yeah, lappers, um, and it's now you got to pick a different path around them, so it completely changes the outcome. What's this <coughs> lapper thing? People who've been lapped oh. when you're traffic when you're coming up on traffic. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're required to kind of pull over a little bit, right? Like, don't they throw yeah, a flag to like chill out because you're about to get lapped? There's been a, plenty of races, you know, where I'm catching them, and a little before they surprise, and there's guys battling 
for fifth, sixth, and seventh, I had to like mix it in with them, and they didn't want to give up their positions. And I started like racing with them mid race. So you know, a lot of times if a lapper's by themselves, it's not an issue. But if they're battling in their own little pack, they don't want to give ground to anyone. And kind of uh, hmm. sometimes it could even unfortunately change who could possibly be winning main events. Well, I was so, gonna, yeah, yeah I was, let's just start though. You had a new sponsor this year. Yeah, I went to the factory KTM team from last time I was here with you guys. Yeah, how's right. that how's that working for you? It's awesome. You yeah. know, it's uh it's just you know, I feel like I finally made it to the big leagues and you think about like, you know, people who work their way up and get a factory ride and you know, here I am, everything's kinda set in stone for me a little bit more now and you know, I have the greater option of bikes and mechanic at the races supplied for me and i don't have to worry about that on my own and basically all i got to do is keep my practice bike and you know running condition and uh once i beat the crap out of it too much i can just turn it in and get another one so (laughs) i've already had i've already had to do that once so far this year but you know it's just it's really cool opportunity and to be able to ride for elite factory team especially like a company like ktm has really been pushing forward strong in the racing world recent years and uh you know i'm really happy to be where i am right now so um, let's go back to uh, Enduro Cross. So you won that again this year. And who, who are your big rivals this year? Is Taddy still in it? Uh, Taddy, Taddy took last year off. Or he wasn't there, but he is making his return again this year because I think he realized he was a big part of the sport here in the States because he was mm-hmm. so dominant for so many years. And uh, my biggest... Uh, opponent last year was Colton Haker, who was originally yeah. from Hollister, so pretty close to us here in Santa Cruz. Yeah, I actually chatted with Colton. I was trying to get him up here too, but he was getting married. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. I thought, ooh, that'd be fun. Get the two here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's really cool too. Um, so was that pre- was that as tight and as exciting as the Super Enduro? Yeah, it was. It definitely came pretty close down to the wire. I think I only won that championship by a little over ten points or something. So, we were right there all year. Um, you know, he was hurt the very first race of the year. Had uh, two broken ribs or something. Not not too long before, so he was riding a little under the weather. And you know, from the rest of the year, we duked it out. And he had his moments. I had my moments. And luckily, I was a little more consistent at the end and got that championship. All right. So uh, I've had a bunch of people watch the some of the races from from the super enduro i just want to get to this oh my god this was such a crazy season um so uh, let's see Can, you want to try and list off all the countries you were racing in you want me to go for it right now yeah go for it i got it here on my list all let's right. see if you can do it poland germany mm-hmm. uh <laughs> argentina yes. argentina brazil czechoslovakia czech republic i mean and spain Yes. So did you even get to, like, see stuff when you were there? Yeah. So the first race in Poland, I didn't get to see anything because I literally was still in school and had finals coming up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, and isn't that Taddy's home home ground? It is. But now he lives in Spain, and he, he got somewhere a little more pleasant weather. But he got a lot of fans there. Oh, yeah. He had the crowd going crazy. There was guys in the... <clears throat> In the crowd with like chainsaws without the chains running. Like, <laughs> right, I was watching that. Open. Yeah, it was it's like, where does that wow. come from? It was pretty awesome. And that just, was hardcore. Just to see the uh, the appreciation for motorsports they have in Europe, two wheel motorsports, it's awesome to see how pumped they are. And it seems like we come here in the States and people, you know, they they kind of want posters and wait in line for that stuff, but they don't go to the extent that the Euros do. 
Oh, yeah. And crazy. And just for an example, so in Poland, and, and each track was different. This was also crazy. So it's not like you're doing a, you know, a circuit and it's kind of the same. No. Uh, you had um, logs, tires, deep sand, jumps, rocks, turtle baths. Oh, yeah. <laughs> logs, firewood, ramp, a ramp, and stairs. Wow. <laughs> like they were yeah, stairs. They, they sent us like straight up the arena. <laughs> it was the first time we were doing that. And that was. They used the entire arena. <laughs> yeah, wow. So funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really pretty cool. <clears throat> and uh, so you were doing great throughout. Um, and I think you did. You win that one. You took the lead in the first lap. Yeah, I got yeah. the overall in Poland. Yeah, you got the overall. Then you go to Germany. Oh my God, there was a banked plank wall there. Yeah, it was a pretty sweet wall ride. That was pretty cool. They brought it out again later in the season too, because it was everyone likes it for some reason. Cool. And uh, this is one I think had pretty big rocks, so the long legs were a huge advantage. They are. They are. They're. They work well in the rocks. Other spots, they don't work quite as well. But, uh, you know, I think in terms of enduro cross and super enduro, it's definitely an advantage. Yeah, it was funny because when you're going through the big rocks, I mean, the bike is so unsteady and it's being pitched left or right. And some of the other guys on the big bikes are, you know, towing it. And you just got these long legs <laughs> to go out like tripods and just waddle through. Definitely an advantage. Um and then you went out to Argentina, which is really cool because that was outdoors and not in an yeah. arena. Yeah, that was like almost like on beach sand, and it was yeah, it was a pretty crazy track. Uh, didn't have the best of night there, but you know I pulled it together in the final moto and whole shot and led start to finish. But uh, had a pretty big get off and flew over the bars and just kind of sent it airmail style. And yeah, that was funny. And then. Um, in Brazil, you got first overall in that, and to to eat to get first overall, people have to understand like you're falling over. There are times you're like falling off your bike, and to recover and to come back. That's why this is so crazy because a lot of times in Supercross, just from you know somebody has a pole, they get out in the lead, and then they've got clear sailing the whole way. And in this, there's no such thing as clear sailing, even if you're in the lead. You, you, you're probably not going to keep it. It's constantly changing. The leader is changing. It's crazy. So, um, which was your favorite of the favorite, the favorite race or yeah. favorite place to be? Uh, uh, place to be. Which track did you like the most? Oh, uh, in terms of tracks, I think the one in Brazil was was really fun and kind of had a good mix of everything. It was fast, had a couple big jumps, and also had the technical. And I think those kind of tracks are the best. Argentina. <clears throat> Was probably my least favorite, I think. I'm trying to think of it in my head right now. Madrid was pretty horrible because it was like in a tiny little horse fighting yeah. arena. <laughs> or bullfighting arena, sorry. All right, and there's another thing that I, I just want to ask because when I was explaining to people about how physical this is, you are literally body slamming each other into the wall. Because there, there will be a wall where you have to do a tight turn. Uh, that's, that's perfectly legal? Well... <laughs> this uh i guess we won't say what the outcome was but the championship came down to pretty much the last corner and colton yeah. Yeah. It was between colton and i and he made a little sh sneaky pass on me on the inside across the line no one had done all day 
And I had seen this line earlier kind of out of a water hole and jump into a sand turn. Everyone kind of been going wide. And there was a log midway through the sand turn. And I was like, all right, this is where it's going to be. And uh, I kind of hucked it to the inside and turned in the air. And I pretty much knew we were going to hit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I landed. I got. I cut off the corner basically before he even got there. So it wasn't like I completely slammed into him. But, you know, by, yeah, the, was, by yeah. the time. Yeah. No. <laughs> by the time he looked up, there was nothing for him to do. He was committed. I was committed. And we just creamed right into each other. It was just a textbook block pass. It, it was like a <laughs> hockey check. And, uh, you know, luckily he had a wall there. Otherwise, he just would have got blown apart off the side <laughs> of the track. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was it was a crazy pass. I had so many people for, like, the next two weeks telling me how awesome a pass it was. So... You know, it made me feel good, and usually everyone says I'm the nice guy, so to uh, be able to kind of put a demanding move on like that, uh, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, the video of that last slap battle between the two of us had so many hits online and views, so it was right. really cool. Yeah. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. So, and to I explain, lost. <laughs> and to explain, and it wasn't just that's what you it, get it wasn't for just that. really creaming into someone. You <laughs> this was basically uh, a three-way race between you and Colton and Johnny, right, Johnny Walker? Yeah. And not it, the whiskey. Right. I was gonna say Johnny Walker red or Johnny Walker black. So throughout <laughs> the season, it's like you guys are trading places blue. for for first place. It could be anyone's race, and it came down to the final race in the finals. Whoever won was going to win the championship flat out so it this was like everything on the table it's not just i mean it's just not just like i need a couple more points this was whoever wins takes the whole thing so you guys were racing like that i mean there was a fervor and johnny walker oh my gosh was it the the yeah the weekend before yeah, so weekend before colton actually started off the series a little slow it was his first time racing the full series and his first race wasn't that great, but after that, he's on the podium every time. And the weekend before in Czech, Johnny and I were close in points, and I was trying to make a comeback. And he actually fell in practice and cracked his fibula. Ooh. And yeah. uh, I was yeah. like, okay, this is great. Like, I have a big, I have a good lead <laughs> on Colton. I know what I got to do to beat Johnny. And I was actually leading the championship. And then the third and final moto in Prague, I went down and, and had a mechanical, and I couldn't get my bike running and got mm. a DNF. So mm. Colton just like, instantly snuck right in there in the championship and i mean hats off to him the most consistent consistent guy usually gets a championship and you know with johnny getting hurt and me kind of getting a big dnf it really hurt me in points and i did what i had to do in uh madrid i got the overall win by only one point but it wasn't enough to catch up and you know johnny toughed it out like a freaking animal like a freak of nature he I, rode with a broken leg he he Man. qualified the third fastest in practice with a with a broken leg, man. Jesus Christ. And again, watching this and knowing that, and every time he like go through the rock section or something, and have to fall over and put his leg down to catch. It's like, mm. oh, it was grueling to watch. So I, I mean, I I encourage anyone to watch these races. You can see them on uh, Red Bull TV. You can uh, see them on. YouTube, maybe not the entire races, but the last lap of the finals, the championship, is the most amazing. It has that body check we're talking about. And <clears throat> it also, this crazy, crazy, the arena where they have you go through a tunnel. Yeah. Into, like, what, the horse stable rooms or something? Yeah, the, the arena was, like, too small 
for a whole track and they put us out through like one of the tunnels and when we came back in there was not another tunnel to get back in the arena and we actually had to like ride they built this it was a they welded all this metal together and then put wood planks up and we actually had to ride up over like the sliding door to get back into the arena (laughs) and then we borrow like we just ran through a tiny little hallway where they like send the bulls out and i'd like to point out you're coming down and there's a it's like it's a doorway they put hay bales there so you don't get hurt too bad they put like pads on the wall because you can only fit one bike at a time and so yeah it's like oh my gosh that was crazy so all right you're in this final lap and you 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 check him and you now have the lead and you take off and you you're heading into the tunnel in the lead what the hell happened so he was right there behind me because like i said the wall saved him and do you have nightmares of this do you have reoccurring nightmares of this moment i did for a while (laughs) but you know i've accepted it now i'll never let it down but i've accepted it so uh, I came out and I was just so pumped up and amped, I couldn't even hold on to the bars. And I drifted wide in the corner, and uh, didn't have the best line through that next set of logs all in a row. They yeah. call it a matrix. And he got in the main line and just he just you know when you're the predator, you can push way harder than the prey. And he just barely got on the inside of me, and I could have just totally slammed him, but then it would have been stupid, and I just would have looked like an asshole for doing a stupid move like that. We ne- we wouldn't have made the next obstacle and. You know, there really was nothing I could do. I I put it on the line, and you know, I wasn't gonna go out doing a stupid move like that and making myself look bad and kind of ruining the whole championship by sending us into the concrete. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just you know lost by under a second right there, and you know, it it was really cool though to uh, you know kind of be able to beat the whole rest of the world just with a, a buddy of mine that I grew up in the same area. And, yeah. So that part is uh, a part of it's pretty awesome, but the part where I lost sucks. Well, and and has have the Americans ever dominated Super Enduro? Yeah. So anything really off road rate related, uh, the Americans really have kind of always been lacking. But it seems like in recent years, there's kind of a a newer generation and pack of us who are really uh, putting the pressure on the Europeans and starting to uh, slowly overtake them. I hope. I felt for you. I think anyone who watches it knows that you raced your heart out. You gave it your best. You put on a great show. I don't think anyone can fault you. It's That's, again, why I find this to be the most exciting racing, because the elements, the track, you can be side by side, but you're going over different pieces of the, the elements, which can slow you down or speed you up depending upon where you are side by side because you're talking about the matrix these are like telephone poles at like in crosses so you're basically going over telephone pole diagonally which can you know push your front end yeah kick your rear end out instantly yeah this is not just simple skating over and it's not over till it's over like most other sports it's like okay towards the end you're like okay i think i know how this is going to finish not this racing. It's like literally down to the last set of turns, right? Yeah, obviously the championship came down to the very last corner. So, right? you know, you never know. There's been times where the winner will go down on the first corner and fight his all the way back, way back to the win. And Colton you're not going to see something like that. Yeah, he has. And it's like, where did that kid come from? He was like eighth place. And now suddenly he's on your tail. Yeah. It's like, what the? He, yeah, I. I, I want to give you know props to Colton. He really mm-hmm. raced, and uh, 
Whereas I felt like you have more like precision and uh, experience. He was just sometimes I think just just he, he balls out luck. Sometimes. Yes, just balls out and like just just persistence. Yeah, I could work though sometimes. <sighs> I should. So did you learn anything from that? Uh, I don't know. I guess. Are you, are you changing your style now? No. I'm going right. to stay with my smooth, calculated style. <laughs> it's been working good for you. Yeah, it's done all right in the past. <laughs> all right. Does anyone else have any questions about Super Enduro before we go on to King of the Crazy Mountain? Liza, where can you watch the, these events? Do you have to go to YouTube, or how can we watch uh, Cody perform? Um, I have Red Bull TV, which I have streaming service. Uh, you can do it online or if you have TV streaming service, uh, you can find it on the Red Bull website. Yeah, Red Bull TV mm -hmm. website. And then there's a lot of stuff I've seen on YouTube, like they'll have highlights of each because each Super Enduro race has three, three heats. So you get an overall out of three races. And then Enduro Cross, a lot of times they'll put... Uh, YouTube video up as well and then they were playing him on I think on CBS Sports or something like that last year but I don't know what it's going to be on this this season that starts in August yeah people haven't seen this they need to clue in and because it's more exciting I, I'm not putting Supercross down but it this is so exciting you guys are really riding great really riding great um all right king of the crazy mountain was this the first time you did this now I've done it quite a few times now. I think I was there the very first year in 2000, 2011 probably, or 12, I think. I don't remember what the first year was, but I missed last year because I was racing the Super Enduro Series. So, okay, so it's technically it's called King of the Moto. Can you describe this? So King of the Motos, uh, there's a huge desert off-road weekend, basically. And it's it out in the Mojave, isn't it? Yeah, it's out in... Uh, yeah, on the Mojave somewhere out there. And it started out as this thing called King of the Hammers where these huge 4x4 trucks were going out there. And one time, one day, a pretty well-known motorcycle uh, rider and publicist type guy was out there and turned on to this crazy event and then contacted the promoter and said, hey, I have this great idea. Pitch this idea of having a motorcycle race. And basically, it's his own race, style of an American, a style of an American extreme enduro that puts you puts bike and rider to its limits out in the middle of the desert on the nastiest grueling rocks and sand hills and nastiness okay but this is like a mountain it's not like a hill yeah it's pretty big pretty big mountains out there <laughs> um out of nowhere they just spring up and they're just filled with boulders and sand the sand's probably the worst part wow yeah and so you guys are doing it's it's like nine laps uh so it, it's kind of been different i think they're still trying to figure out a designated set up for the race and kind of a format but this year there was an about it was about an hour and a half i think it was maybe 30 miles or something kind of warm up and you practice with gps so you there's very minimal marking out there on the course it's all kind of gps so you can imagine you know a lot of guys doing rally and stuff they have their own person reading the the course with a little you know chart and the driver listens to what they're saying and you know when you're on the motorcycle you're trying to go 50 miles an hour 50 miles an hour or so across the desert at points maybe even faster and still looking at your gps it's pretty sketchy and dangerous to be honest but so the first loop is about 30 miles of figuring out the gps and it basically only determines your start position and then the last the second part of the race the most extreme part was about a nine and a half mile course mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be 
uh, I think it's three hours to finish. They throw the checkers right out three hours. So, you know, he was assuming we'd get maybe four laps in. And this year we got six laps. So we... Oh, okay. Or maybe only... He thought we were only going to get three laps or something. We basically doubled what he expected. Was there any deep sand? Yeah, there was some sand out there. I don't know. You didn't fare well in the deep sand at Super Enduro. Yeah, I did fare well everywhere. I just don't like the sand because I don't get traction. (laughs) (laughs) I can get through it. I just... I like the rocks. So, okay, we got to describe this. So you're going up a mountain. This looks like the type of mountain that would have those kind of goats that are hopping around from <laughs> rock to rock. There's parts of it out there that's pretty similar to that. Uh, this is not, there's there's not a trail per se. Yeah, the first, la- like only a lot of times uh, the guy who made up the event, Jimmy Lewis, like he's only ridden it just himself just when he marked it out with GPS. So there's, you can't even see the track. He probably rode it maybe a month before. You know, with the elements, you're not going to see those tracks. So that first lap, it was the top five guys were playing cat and mouse, and someone would lead and miss a corner. And then, you know, we were all kind of picking off and riding at each other. So everyone had their own chance to kind of lead for a bit. And then once that second lap hit, it was hammer time, and everyone was really laying it out there on the line. And your trials experience probably really came in handy here. Yeah, it, it helped a lot. Uh, you know, but I I definitely picked probably better lines than some of the other riders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm kind of the smooth and calculated aspect of it. And, you know, I went out there with a fanny pack as a tool kit in it in case something broke out there because it's pretty rugged. And, you know, I had a camelback for water. It's three hours straight. And, you know, like Colton was leading for a bit, but he didn't have anything on him. And he was just riding like a freaking psycho wide open across the <laughs> desert. <laughs> and guess who ate shit and knocked himself just about out of the race. Oh, so, damn. You know, like, there's the desert and stuff like that. It doesn't mess around. It bites back hard when you make a mistake. So, you know, a long, extreme race like that, you want to be patient and still putting the good time in. And a lot of the other guys, uh, you know, especially in the beginning of the race, you don't want to go too crazy. So, you know, I took advantage of him going down and... There was some uh, cheater lines out there being taken by a lot of friggin' cheaters. <laughs> oh, Basically, this whole race just it put a sour, sour taste in my mouth. I thought there's no no rules. I thought there's no rules at this race. Well, think about it. You have a GPS track. You, there's they literally tell you you can't go without mm, within see. 50 feet in parts of the track. And you know, I, I saw people cutting huge parts of the track. My own competition. And yet, you still beat them. <laughs> <laughs> that must feel really shitty for them. You, <laughs> like, like I even cheated and I couldn't beat this kid. <laughs> crime doesn't pay. I yep. was so pissed. Like I was coming up to checkpoints, being like, "You better check his fucking brutal words." Like this is horse shit. That's what makes you a better rider than them. Yeah, I guess. Well, that and that you can beat them. But it was like I feel like it was harder in years in the past, and everyone's getting better and better, and the event didn't really increase like what i was expecting it to be they, every year it's like oh it's gonna be the hardest thing ever and every year i'm like well no you still didn't achieve it <laughs> i mean everyone else here like you're telling me you're saying it's like the gnarliest mountain thing ever and i'm like oh i don't know it wasn't that hard for me well because there's like ridge lines that look like if you like misstep and fall like you're just tumbling. yeah it might hurt and <laughs> and yeah and it was pretty windy in the beginning of the race too which made it really sketchy and then a huge storm came in it rained for like 30 minutes and then it stopped and i felt like we hit all elements but you know and it, loose rocks there was and only yeah it was just kind of like a harder 
type normal race that I normally would have done. I mean, the, the average speed was really high for an extreme event. Uh, compared to other races I've ridden in Europe, I wasn't sore for like three days afterwards, so mm-hmm. I expected more. And I kind of say that here and there, and then the the promoter of the event gets really angry. But maybe he needs maybe to he step, needs to it, step up. it up. Yeah. 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 So, so what was the average speed? Uh, it was over twenty miles an hour or something like that. That's and pretty good. Like a you know an average, say like hair scramble race here locally, they'll average about twenty four miles per hour. So yeah. we're we're not going that much slower to be yeah. honest. Over incredibly and then ridiculous. And if you think about it, yeah, there's some ridiculous parts. But it was a really short little piece where like where you get kind of tired, but then. It was a long straightaway of fast stuff. So Do you it hear that? Great. What's that mean? The music means it's game time for Cody. <laughs> I didn't hear about this. <laughs> you just did. Surprise. <laughs> well, you know, you're doing so well in school. I thought, what's another quiz? All right, I'm ready. <laughs> you can rock it. Do I get a calculator? <laughs> okay. <laughs> No cheating. A giant rubber dildo might. Oh no! <laughs> if you know your your business, I think I think you you'll be able to do this. Oh man! Let's start off with an easy one. F I M stands for Federation of International Motorcyclists. Mm-hmm. In the world of My Little Pony, what does F I M stand for? <laughs> now this is multiple choice. <laughs> He's got this look on his face like, what is this horse shit? Ain't nobody got time for that. I think I got the same look on mine. Okay. F-I-M in the world of My Little Pony. A. Friendship is magic. B. Flutter is magnificent. C. Finkel is majesty. Or D. Finest inside minion. I I know the answer to this one. I'm just going to say A because it sounds reasonable. That's right. Friendship yes. is magic. See, you're a smart guy. I knew you could do this. Yes. <laughs> All right. We know you watch that show. <laughs> we, know, we know you're burning. No need to hide it. <laughs> All right. Here's another one I think you, you'll do good on. <clears throat> KTM is an Austrian company. Everyone knows that the K and T stand for the founders. Uh, let's see, is it Conreef and Chunkenpoltz? I'm not even going to try on it, but... What does the M stand for? Monte Kofen. I knew that one. That is correct. The city it was founded in. Yep, I went you there. That's the only reason why I know. Nice. All right. So, um, on your tour, you stopped in the Czech Republic. Which of these countries does not border it? Okay. A, Poland. B, Switzerland. C, Austria. And D, Slovakia. So you're looking for the one that doesn't... Switzerland. That is correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. You're doing good. All right. How about this? Red Bull is an Austrian company created in 1987 by Dietrich Mateschitz. Where did the name Red Bull come from? I'm going to give you multiple choice unless you think okay. you can get it. I'll wait for the multiple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A, a Thai drink named Kratin Dang, which means Red Gower, which is a kind of that bull thing. Um, B, referring to red mist. Do you know what red mist is? No. 
Uh, Doug, you want to explain red mist? I don't know what that is. All right, well, let's just go on. <laughs> that thing, that thing that thing, men get, where they see red in their oh, eyes, that oh, testosterone-driven. Okay. You see red. You see yeah, red. I see red. Okay. I'm going to eliminate B. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a feeling of extreme competitive, competitiveness. Yeah. Okay, C, or C, he just thought it sounded cool and it tested well in a panel test. <laughs> well, I know that Red Bull actually wasn't created in Austria and that it was found in either India or Thai when he traveled there and he thought it would be a great idea to market it to everyone back home in Europe. So I'm going to go for A. That is correct. Wow. Yeah, it was an existing drink just sold in Thailand. But it was a goo, I heard. Yeah, so he took that and changed the formula. Then it gave you wings. Sugar. Then it gave you wings. And here we are now. And, he, and some vodka. Wow. He owned his own hangar with <laughs> billions and billions of dollars yes. of helicopters and planes. And <laughs> well, he's he's he did he's invested correct. it well in good I would athletes. say give him more money because I like what he's doing with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, you share a name with Cody Webb, the country singer. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing you're pretty familiar with his music. So which one of these is not a Cody Webb song? Okay. This is maybe where I fail. <laughs> which one of these is not a Cody Webb song? A, Red Neckanize. B, Mud Bog. C, Love Me Like I'm Gone. Or D, bitch shot my dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think I think uh, Honey Boo Boo saying red neck and ass. Is it A? No. Not wrecking red neck no, and ass. No, he did not Dang. write a song called "Bitch Shot My Dog." Uh. <laughs> we, had a, we had a hell of a fun time making that question. <laughs> <laughs> but he should. He wow. should. All right, so you're doing pretty good. You missed one. So I'm gonna, this final, final question here. So you race for the FMF KTM factory team. What does FMF stand for? Uh, do you need Do you need the multiple choice? No, I don't need it, but I'll listen to him. Okay. <laughs> if you think you know the answer, I'll, I'm going to give this to you. Let's see if if let's see let's see if the Canadians can guess the answer. Oh, it's on. All right. Yeah, I know the answer for sure. <clears throat> so this is the cold right. calculating code. Oh boy! All right, for the Canadians <laughs> over here. So, does FMF stand for Fast Motherfucker? <laughs> yes. that, that would be my choice yes, right off does. the top. <laughs> Just because it should. Does it, it should. stand for Frank Mason Forge, the, the factory where they originated building of these? Uh, does it stand for Flying Machine Factory or Funk Master Flex, his favorite mm. rapper? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm going with C on that. It is. I go with C with, on any answer I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that in multiple yeah, choice. Yeah, statistically, it's it so, is C. Right. <laughs> Cody, did they get it right? They got it right. Yeah. But, but I highly recommend if uh, if you ever YouTube Ronnie Mack, he claims that his great grandfather was Frederick Mack Factory, who started FMF. So oh. well, there you go. You should really, I'd highly recommend. We could, we could, it to took us forever to Ronnie find Mack. the actual meaning, and it was all like wiki stuff. It <laughs> like <laughs> FMF will not say what it means. Hmm. That's weird. It was all. Yeah, it was mostly fast motherfucker. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like A. A is yep. good too. I, yeah, but so um. You're not doing trials this year. You're, you're taking. Uh, did you retire? 
I, I pretty much retired. I mean, I don't have a trials bike, so I'll call that retirement. Okay, so let's get back then. What bike did you ride for Enduro Cross Super Enduro and for the King of Crazies? So Super Enduro, okay, I'll start last year. Last year, Enduro Cross, I rode a KTM 300 XC, mm-hmm. two-stroke, with linkage, suspension. Okay. Then Super Enduro, I raced a KTM 250 XCF, which is their four-stroke 250F, 250 motorcycle. And then for King of Hammers, I rode a 300 XCW, which is their wide ratio transmission and no linkage suspension. So d- was there a big difference between them? And, and is it the right bike for the job well, kind of thing? Well, you know, obviously the, the 250F is going to be way different than the, the both 300 two-strokes. But, you know, it Enduro across a lot of flat corners, and I just like the consistent drive and torque that the four-stroke had. It made it a little easier to jump obstacles. Mm. And then for the extreme events, uh, no matter what, I'm going to be on a two-stroke. And right. the 300 really has that kind of broad, a little bit more torque to it. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up modifying it quite a bit. Like, it was really cool for me. It was my first time being on the factory this year. And we spent a full day testing carburetors and carburetor settings. And <laughs> it was a long day. But I never would have done that before. Like, oh, we, we could probably do it better. And so that was really cool. But... You know, I, I like the, and I'm riding the, the W, which has no linkage because when you're riding extreme events, I just want to hammer through everything and not worry about getting caught up on the linkage that hangs down pretty low. And mm-hmm. the uh, the wide ratio transmission, is some people love it and hate it, but for what I was doing, it worked pretty well. And I'm I'm sold on that bike now for anything kind of off-road related, and that's what I tell everyone to get. <clears throat> oh, good to know. Now, <clears throat> when you're setting up a bike, are you like transferring your your handlebars and and things you're used to to each new bike yeah so you know i last year i was running different handlebars and this year on the new team i have i have renthals but you know i used to run renthals before so i knew the bar bend i wanted and uh i have levers i run that are like these weird unbolt foldable breakable or like unbreakable Mm-hmm. levers that kind of fold when you crash so you know that's a preference thing and it's nice to have when you tip over a lot in enduro cross you're not breaking your levers off but you know the renthal 996 i have it on every single one of my bars and bikes and with uh, being on the factory the bike gets shipped directly from the states so it's it's set up and ready to go and i don't have to worry about bringing my own stuff over or racing on stock stuff that i'm a little uncomfortable with i feel like you're getting lazy now I yeah I'm pretty lazy. <laughs> so do you have any good stories you want to share from this year of racing or this so far since you were last here? You have any good stories you want to share? So I'm trying to think of stuff then right now. Well, I got to visit and travel around South America for about almost two weeks, and that was pretty awesome. We went to the same restaurant four times in Brazil. It was a crazy <laughs> Brazilian steakhouse. Hmm. And it was awesome, and there's monkeys flying around and trees at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. Uh, Prague's really awesome city. That was probably the best city to be in, and uh, it was cold as shit every time we were in Europe, and I hated that part. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, it was really cool. And I like, you know, every time I was flying to the the event in the airport, I was thinking to myself how cool it was that I was able to uh, be able to do that for what I do for, I guess, work and also just my own pleasure. Like, it's awesome to be able to go and do all that stuff. So all of it's an adventure, no matter what's happening. 
I don't have any crazy cool stories for you guys. Okay, well, so Super Enduro is so physical. How are you avoiding injury? I <laughs> I eat my Wheaties with Dungey, Brian Dungey on the box. No. Uh, you know, I, we're always kind of little discreetly hurt here and there. and uh, But, you know, nothing major. And luckily, like I said, smooth and calculated. And, you know, sometimes I have a big crash here and there. It really kind of throws you off. And you just rest for a couple of days. And I actually started seeing a, a sports chiropractor guy who I was really – beat up i forget when i was here last to be honest was it sometime it was, last year yeah after you'd won the last championship it was after oh germany. right after that mm-hmm. oh okay so germany. never mind but yeah i was seeing him then but before that i was always really tight in my back and shoulders and like it was almost painful and i wasn't riding like i was able to and i started seeing him and it really started uh making me feel more comfortable on the bike so you know just taking the right prep work to make sure i'm feeling good before i even ride i think is a really big part of it and are you breaking your bike a lot? Because, I mean, you had the one uh, that you didn't finish, but how often is that happening? Because you're, you're trying everything you can to break those bikes. <laughs> yeah, you know, luckily the bikes are pretty strong these days. I mean, I feel like anything from the 60s is probably more reliable than anything you buy nowadays. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, for the amount of damage we're doing to these bikes, they, they really... with withhold pretty well with those two-stroke pipes they're not very reliable because i like to ride through rocks and (laughs) rocks usually win when you're hitting a little piece of stainless steel metal yeah sheet metal against it you know is there like any way to reinforce that yeah i mean a lot of people run uh mounts carbon fiber mounts and protectors and plastic protectors but the problem is with that the you won't get a dent in your pipe a lot of times it'll uh actually like rip the exhaust out of the the flange in the front or break that so it's it's in terms of longevity it's better to have a couple dents than dnf and there isn't any place to reroute the pipe where it's not (laughs) in imminent danger yeah i mean (laughs) if you want to put that effort in but uh yeah you know your performance might get the big bladder it's not just a the the pipe it's the big bladder on the two right Right. Right. yeah no and I was curious also, do you have uh, comms in your helmet to, no, to know when don't. people are coming up behind you? I think you? that's legal. I'm not sure, but I don't think really? it's permitted. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it seemed like you, like, I don't know how you keep track of when, you know, someone's coming up behind you or not. Well, in the extreme race stuff, you know, you never really know, but you can kind of have an idea. But uh, Enduro Cross, you know, there's, they have pit boards with the mechanic and they'll ride stuff. A lot of times it's the smallest little mechanic area ever and you can't even look where they have it because it's mm-hmm. so badly placed but you have an idea of where everyone usually is in the track and the guys you're worried about you you know where they are keeping an eye on them yeah make sure they're behind you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is ah, just so crazy when so what is coming up next for you so like i said i won't be at my graduation but mm-hmm. i take my last final in the morning on Tuesday, and I fly out Tuesday night and to Erzberg in a couple of weeks. Erzberg. Oh. Yeah. So. Wait, oh, is Johnny going to be able to ride? Is his leg I, healed? I think he'll be there. I'm sure he'll be there. <laughs> Doesn't matter if his leg is healed. Yeah. He'll be there. He'll be there. No, <laughs> he'll, be sure there. he'll be there. I mean, and he was riding without a cast or anything. So, ugh. Erzberg. Wow. What, what bike? Or something. I know. No, no. Really? No. What Man. bike are you taking to Erzberg? Uh, the same one I rode at King of Motos, pretty much. Probably the exact same. 
And I think we can see this also on Red Bull TV. It's usually broadcast. Yeah, that'll somewhere. be that'll be live at full on live. So the ones mm-hmm. in Super Enduro were a couple of days later, but there's going to be a full live feed. That is cool. It's fun seeing the this racing s- style becoming more and more prominent. It's, it's it's just so exciting. I can't stop saying that. But yes, it is. Um, anyone else have any questions for Cody? I, I have a question. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, the navigation on the the that uh, mountain off road course, I forget what it was called. King Motors. King Motors. Um, you you were navigating by GPS. Yeah. So we had they kind of set out a loop for us, and basically it's not like a waypoint really, but there's a track you follow, mm-hmm. and the you know a typical GPS like you don't know it doesn't know which direction you're going unless you're moving. Mm-hmm. So you basically are a little arrow, and you just have to follow a pre-planned path okay and there's no elevation on the path so you just it's uh, that's like probably the most difficult part because yeah. a lot of times it'll go like skirtle on the edge or it'll go up and it's hard to really know mm-hmm. what to truly do and you know if there wasn't a couple arrows out there it would be a lot more time consuming they, they're not much at all but when mm-hmm. you do see it okay, it's so, a godsend so there are a few a few markers on the course but, yeah but, but pretty really minimal GPS yeah if you didn't have gps there's no way yeah wow that's pretty that's an extra added element of toughness yeah to it. yeah but do then you, when you do six laps of it it's not really necessary at true all. yeah do you uh have any kind of like special diet plan before practice or before a race like do you not eat within a certain amount of time before a race or like how does or do you just whatever if i'm hungry i'll eat i try not to eat like in anything within like an hour and a half of racing or anything just so you don't kind of have that full feeling and i feel like whenever i do eat and i'm really active right afterwards i get lightheaded because i think my Mm -hmm. blood's going Mm -hmm. to my stomach to Mm -hmm. digest it but uh you know a lot of people do carb loading or stuff like that but i'm more about like lean protein and trying to stay away from carbs so unfortunately i i pizza's awesome i, I saw you that <laughs> I, had that pizza you the pizza. I, I eyed it but i did not have any <laughs> so you know a lot of times it's just chicken salad and i mean i definitely eat carbs and cheat here and there on my meal but i mean i wouldn't be human and i don't want to be a freaking right. lame can't be a <laughs> you know machine all the time yeah <laughs> exactly and then uh so after airsberg you have the uh, endurocross coming up again yeah, so Endurocross is still a long way out in August, so, but there's uh, multiple other events going on here and there I'll be doing. Uh, I'm going to try and do Romaniacs if they'll let me, which is another extreme event in Romania. Mm-hmm. And that's GPS also, but through rugged forest mountains. and It's slippery, unlike Southern California that's dry. And there's some other stuff, a couple other things I'll be doing, but they're, you know, they're related to Endurocross or extreme stuff. That kind of seems to be my specialty, so I might as well stick with it. And I, I mean, you're pretty much mastering whatever they throw at you. I can't even imagine <coughs> what could be harder than what what you're already doing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's like the <laughs> can't even. Yeah, exactly. But uh, exactly. I think one thing I do want to mention for I don't know if my time's almost mm-hmm. up, but uh, I think I told you guys before I was working on an electric bike last yeah. time I was here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we rode it for the first time on Friday. It's done. Really? Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. So it's an, it's an 04 YZ250, mm-hmm. but uh, it has a zero motor in it mm-hmm. awesome. and a controller somewhere from like Germany. Cool. <laughs> motor controller. So uh, we ended up getting 16 LiPo batteries and put them in parallel in series where we can fit them and made battery boxes for them and 
motor mounts and a whole jack shaft drive system and it's pretty in-depth project and now it's working and we got to go to zero and hang out all day and it was pretty it was pretty scary when they were setting it up because it's like a little temperamental and you got to find the right phase of the motor Mm -hmm. and that thing fucking took off wide open (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty frightening and i I did that once yeah (laughs) (laughs) so but you know it was really cool and you know i feel like uh you know doing stuff like that you learn a lot especially when you make mistakes in the designing and building process of it but now that it's almost done i'll actually be able to graduate so you're building that as a dirt bike or as a street bike it's a dirt bike okay and And what's the the specs on it like the weight and the horsepower so we weighed it it was 237 pounds that's not bad and the claim is that the wet weight or the dry weight so the claim (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's raining i guess it's (laughs) wettish But uh, the stock stock is 214. That's her claim dry weight. So who knows if that's really... Mm-hmm. Their stock's probably... Uh, it's under 220, but we're roughly in ballpark, you know, if all the fuel that's and stuff... That's pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty nice. But, of course, the capacity isn't as fantastic. The handle, like the, the characteristics of the motor is way different. Mm-hmm. How but, does uh, that uh, affect the... Uh, like the... Oh, jeez, what am I thinking about? Um, the center of balance. Yeah, so... Almost all of our batteries are up, up front, and we got six in the tank. We cut out the tank. Mm-hmm. I think we got six in the tank. I don't remember right now. But then, okay. then we got a bunch of uh, battery boxes where the original radiators were. Right. So a lot of that weight's up front, and the control, the motor itself is pretty dang heavy, and that's pretty central on the frame. And really, the only thing we have in the back is just the motor controller and some wires and. We made we had to make a whole different shaft to basically have the front sprocket where it normally should be because with the way the motor is built you can't have the the shaft output shaft of the motor so we had to make a different mm-hmm. chain drive system and you know that's not that heavy so that's pretty low on the bike but you can def i tried wheeling it of course because i'm not just going to put around <laughs> and we didn't have everything tight enough yet and the torque on it like shifted our shaft oh, right. so I, luckily it wasn't a full break but we had to take a break and fix that before we rode it some more but it definitely felt like it was a little bit harder to get the front end up than i was used to because of the little bit extra weight i bet you that front end sticks like glue though doesn't it yeah probably i don't want to test it with the knobbies though on pavement so how far away are electric dirt bikes from competition uh so when we first started our project there was nothing on the market for it Mm -hmm. and that's why i thought it was a good idea to do that for our senior project but Alta Motors has been doing it for quite a few years now, and they just, uh, they're pretty far along with theirs now, and they're fully production already, but, you know, at 15 grand or whatever it is, a bike, I don't yeah. think you're going to see very many people buying it, and the capacity still isn't there. I mean, the technology for the motors is definitely there, and the the capabilities you have of the software and programming, the how, the, I guess, the sensors and the throttle communicate to the motor, like... You know, fuel injections on the dirt bikes have done a lot recently with how you can program them. But I think electric mo- electrical motors, you can do even more. But the batteries is where we're limited. But from being able to compete against a combustion engine bike, I mean, is it, is it too heavy? Is it can't compete? Because we were watching indoor flat track not too long ago, and there was people on electric bikes who were just railing around the track and they had perfect control dominating yeah no, like, uh, I, I think they definitely have uh 
to have the ability and you know it's we've seen a couple bike manufacturers try and make a push for it here and there but it seems like alt is the first one really designing a chassis meant for full-on racing so it's really cool to see that but you know i, th- I think we're still a couple of years out but whenever it does start happening Alta's gonna have a big jump on the game ktm's had some uh input but it wasn't on like a really of a race bike so they'd have to do like a full design from the ground up if they really wanted to uh put that together but i don't think they did so hot with that initial initial build so i think with the way things go people are still gonna be doing gas for quite a few years so are you interested in owning an electric bike to take out and and ride i mean honestly i wouldn't mind it if you know if you lived in san francisco or santa cruz and you're not going to be going very far but there's something about not being able to just hop on anything and just take off and not have to worry about charging your battery whenever you go somewhere that's nice and i'm wondering if the durability is in question at all yet can it take the stress that you're putting on it the type of riding you're doing yeah electrical motors they'll i mean they're they're pretty damn durable and you know just probably even less actual uh you probably need to take care of it less than you do on a normal dirt bike to be honest with the bearings and everything mm-hmm. i think but uh you know your batteries will heat up you have to worry about the controller getting too hot because there's a lot right. of amperage Unless you're and coming sitting in on volatile batteries that light <laughs> the lipos are not really known to be very super stable You're unlike unlike three gasoline. gallons of gasoline yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, well, the gas doesn't just combust out if, of nowhere if you don't discharge them like in a very rapid fashion right yeah yeah but, but that technology's coming yeah mm-hmm. it's already made huge strides in the last couple of years so it's it'll it'll happen well but. It's, it's starting to win everything right like pike's peak you know those kind of races i mean it's here well, it's very exciting. I mean, we've been watching electric bikes coming, and they're sneaking up faster than people realize. And they sneak up just because you can't hear them? Part of it. The technology and the um, the myths, the people that the reason that people discount them, oh, it doesn't have the range, or oh, it's too expensive, or oh, it's slow the go-kart. Yeah, uh, all those people okay. are going to soon realize are not that 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 close to, to reality and that these bikes are going to do amazing things i think that they're going to surpass gas bikes in yeah, ability and the just in the in the terms of like software and yeah like the versatility of them it's it's crazy what you can do with mapping and stuff like that definitely well i think that's cool and we're definitely going to keep following you and um i'll put a link to your website so, uh, just uh, again you have to go see the the super enduro the, through the red bull go watch these races and just just get ready to be on the edge of your seat i have so much anxiety watching the races <laughs> it's awesome it's really awesome so thank you for sharing that um i wanted to do another segment normally this would be charlie lies but Tonight it's going to be Naked Jim Lies. <laughs> uh-huh. Lies with words, that so, is. So, for those of you who don't know what's about to happen, it's another game, but Cody, don't worry, you're not in the hot seat. You All get to right. play along with everyone else. Um, I've been fascinated lately with the uh, Captain America bike from the movie... Easy Rider. Easy Rider. And so I text Jim with it because Jim loves getting into like facts and stuff um, to learn more about the Easy Rider bike. And he's going to come up with five fascinating facts about this motorcycle. Four are true 
and one is a lie. Hmm. So you guys in the room, I'll make Doug team captain. Uh, I'm uh, now. Yeah, I'll do it. All right, Doug is team captain. <laughs> Should we do so it like Americans versus there. Canadians? You guys in the room are all going to work to get to get. Or should we make Doug and everyone versus the Canadians? No, because no, 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 this is the iconic American we'll movie. Let's uh, <laughs> see how smart Doug we are. Will be, Doug will be team captain, and everyone can give their input. And let's see if you all can find the lie in these facts. Shirts versus skins. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody disrobe. Uh, how about shirts versus blouses? <laughs> Game. Blouses. Game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jim, hit us with it. We can hit. All right, so this is the iconic. <laughs> <laughs> the iconic. Well, you gotta come on. This is that's the how we roll. The iconic film of the '60s, like the chrome-plated, upswept mufflers, giving everybody the middle finger on the right across America. So, uh, a, a classic movie. I watched it again the other night because I think every other time I've fallen asleep watching it when they're all driving through the desert. And I like, totally oh, understand your struggle. Shame on you, man. <laughs> right? But watch it on a Sunday morning, and it's a great time to watch it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off probably more than four or five facts. One of these will be untrue. Right? So I'll go through them. Let me know what you think. All right. The chopper was originally designed by Peter Fonda. All right, that's fact number one. It just sold for $1.35 million. Fact number two. How much was that? What was that number? $1.35. $1.35 million. Damn. All right. That's a lot of money for a bike. Peter Fonda met the person who actually built the motorcycle in jail while being under arrest for possession of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke weed every day. <laughs> and that's fact number three. Fact number four, the motorcycle, they went to get motorcycles from Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson would not give them bikes for the movie because they felt it put bikers in a bad light. The motorcycles <laughs> actually came from LAPD. Wow. Ooh, right. And that was fact number four? Uh, fact number five. The movie uh, Easy Rider is actually in the Library of Congress National Registry, and there's so there's so many facts about this bike. It's crazy. But lastly, that in the movie there were four bikes: two of the Captain Americas and two of the bikes that Billy bike, the Billy bike, the Dennis Hopper rode. Uh, three of the four were stolen at knife point, and the only thing remaining of the original bike is possibly a charred frame. <laughs> All right, mm. Douglas, which one of these is a lie? Uh, I don't think it's sold for $1.35 million. <clears throat> A charred frame sold for $1.35 million? Yeah. If, if you go by the last fact. So Everyone can have their input right, no, to I, Doug. I, I, so I, so I, clarification question. The, 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 buy, the bike sold at auction was the only original part was the charred, was frame, the charred frame from the ending of the movie <coughs> when the bike blew up. So they had the charred frame that they then built everything around. I remember actually seeing the bike sold for 1.3. And this you day did? and age, that's probably okay. Out reasonable. Well, because it's such an iconic bike. Sure. 
And you, I, Cody's good at detecting bullshit too. I, I'm three, curious what you think. Three is were lying. stole at knife point. I mean, yeah, that's mm. kind of like continuous. I knife totally work. forgot the other facts. Now, can you listen? Well, off again? Was there three a gun involved? Yeah. So that's three of the four were stolen in West Hollywood at knife point. A three inch blade, or yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter Fonda met the actual builder of the bike in jail while under arrest for possession of marijuana. That sounds like bullshit too. Peter Fonda was the original designer of the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not sure. I don't know. Mm, I'm just going to say I what everybody... Well, well, well here's, here's the other thing we haven't talked about. That the, the, the bikes came from the LAPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, why would you go to the LAPD to buy a well, bike? Why wouldn't you just go to like some motorcycle shop and buy It's weird bikes? that they would go to LAPD, but LAPD wanted them to... All, everyone to rise up. And they gave him a job to do, you know, after the movie when everyone's trying to drive around their Harley. <laughs> job security. I think that one's the they, one. They could have just gone to a police auction. They got him for really cheap. Yeah. yeah. Could be a police possible. auction. Yeah. I think it's the knife one. What do you mean Three from knives, LAPD? Like, really? I, I thought, weren't they just sold and lost throughout the years? There's a lot mm. to that, Charlie, if you look we'll into it. We'll explain that. Hmm. But first, I, I must I guess. Think it's, I think it's a knife point. I think it's a knife right. one. All right. The no, wait, they were. Wait, let's let the Canadians. Oh weigh yeah, in. Where they? Oh, this is. These are tough ones. We were at Sturgis a few years back, and they swore that was the the Peter Fonda bike. It was in one of the saloons there. Mm-hmm. Would that not have been the bike, or was that another mm-hmm. imposter? Mm-hmm. It's we'll, imposter? We'll explain that. And how many parts do you need of the original? To make a new one. All right, so. <laughs> and was the bike designed by Peter Fonda or was it Dennis Hopper? Has original frame. <laughs> Slightly <laughs> worn. Ran before burnt. All right. I don't think you guys helped him narrow that down. I, I, you we, just made it worse. Uh, All right, Doug, what do you think is the lie? Uh, personally, uh, I, I don't think they came from LAPD, but that depends on what from LAPD means, because it's a very good point. They could have bought it at a police auction, but mm-hmm. as far as like gifted or given, I don't think so. And they don't just sell their bikes <laughs> just for the hell of it. Yeah. Who knows? This is like, you know what, 1972, 69? Yeah, 69. It's still kind of the wild, wild west with that kind right. of stuff, you know? Yeah, and I, I don't think those bikes would have been police bikes originally. No, they right. were very yeah. customized. Yeah, so I'm going to say the from LAPD is false. Right. Running green? Jim, Even you... though everything else sounds totally incredible as well. <laughs> right? So it's like it's hard to so th- reveal it, the lie. It's a fascinating story. Before I re- reveal the lie, it, it is a fascinating story. And, you know, for such an iconic motorcycle, it's worth getting into. But in a nutshell, the story uh, the story of Captain America was mm-hmm. built. This whole movie was done on a shoestring budget um, with, with those guys in Hollywood at the time. Uh, the bikes um, was not designed by Peter Fonda. Um, it was actually designed by a guy named Cliff Oz, who he did meet in jail while under arrest for <laughs> marijuana possession. They're like, of course. Peter Fonda Road. He's like, word, I ride bikes. And it's interesting, this guy Cliff Vaughn, African-American, you know, in L.A. in that late 60s, chopper wow. builder, was also a member of an interracial motorcycle club. Cool. Right? Um, one of the sad things about this is, for the most part, these guys have been erased from the history of this motorcycle. You don't hear about these guys. Wow. You know, inter- uh, motorcycle clubs building iconic choppers in nineteen in late 1960s. So anyway, they built it out. The bikes were stolen. Uh, three of the four bikes were stolen during production. 
Uh, I've Were read reports that said it was gunpoint. Others have said knife point. Okay. So it's suspicious. And this whole thing is nothing but rumor is in, and rumors and innuendo. And it doesn't get more bizarre until um, who gets into it? Grizzly Adams, for those of you that are old enough to know him. Oh, my God. Dan something. Dan Haggerty. Grizzly Dan Adams Haggerty. did have a beard. Whoa. So uh, let me backtrack. So as he said, they built two of the Billy bikes, two of the Captain America bikes. Uh, during the filming... One of the Captain America bikes, the stunt bike, was crashed and was charred remains. And the the hero bike, the one that he actually rode throughout, was stolen with the two Billy bikes. Those three bikes have never surfaced that anyone is aware of. Gone. Unless they're in that restaurant in, uh, in Sturgis. Yeah. So Dan Haggerty, a.k.a. Grizzly Adams, uh, who did have a small part in the film, he bought the remains of the bike from the the stuntman or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. after the and up. he restored it now it, it was a blown up bike some say it might have been just the frame that was salvaged others have said that you know 90 percent of the bike was still there it's hard to say uh so he restored it and he sold it to a museum was this? Well, he stole to a guy. I think his name is Michael Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah, for uh, a bunch of dough and and with a certificate of authenticity. And then a couple years later, he sold another bike to a, another collector with a, another certificate of authenticity. Oh, no. Two timer. Yeah, for a lot less dough, so, and he was having some issues. Oh dear. So the, the Billy bikes are gone, but the. The hero bike, Captain America, never seen again, yet now suddenly there's two existing bikes out of one crashed bike that are floating around in the world. One of which sold at auction, yeah, for $1.35 million. Sold for one point three five. And then someone else is like, but wait, no, I have the real bike. And now it's a yeah. huge, you know, they're contesting this. Oh, of course, man. he bought his bike for $63,000. So Meanwhile, they go back to Dan Haggerty. Yeah, and I don't want to say too much about that because I don't have a lawyer. But you know, I <laughs> but yeah, Haggerty was like, I guess, just moving bikes during the movie, and uh, he was just around. It sounds like, and he scored the burned frame and 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 hustled it into something. So, um, but it is fascinating, and and uh, it's a cool piece of Americana. And there's so many little pieces that you don't so really hear. So, how does LAPD work into this? All I know, and yet it's rather vague. All they that they said was the bikes came from LAPD. So who knows? Maybe a, a case of whiskey, you know, five hundred <laughs> bucks, and you score a couple of you know bikes from. I don't know, Doug. Yeah, but they but it was true that Harley Davidson would not give them bikes <coughs> because they read the movie and they're like, no, you put bikers in a bad in a bad light, and they do act like dicks through a lot of the movie. I gotta say. So that's the thing right now. There are two of these bikes floating around in like museums and on display. Nobody knows. Which one is the restored original bike from the movie? Nobody knows what happened to the original stolen bike. Maybe one of them was the stolen bike that's out there. Uh, and Dan Haggerty has never actually explained why he signed two certificates of authenticity and sold two bikes. He just yeah. kind of backpedals out of that one. So it's a fascinating story. I encourage anyone to, to look it up, watch the movie. Um, but it's yeah it's it's crazy 1.35 million for something that was a restoration from you know a, a destroyed bike maybe 
Maybe. Here's the other yeah. cra- I thought was crazy. The opening scene, like after they they score some they score some uh, some blow in Mexico, come back up here. They're they're selling it right at LAX where the where the planes land, and who <laughs> this high roller guy rolls up in a in a in a rolls mm-hmm. with a bodyguard, and he's the guy that's going to buy the cocaine that they just brought from Mexico in a gas tank. And they used this guy because he was rich, and they didn't have to hire anybody. It was a free Rolls Royce with free bodyguards, and it was Phil Spector. (laughs) Rolls up in this thing, and he's all like buying cocaine. It's it's hilarious. So if you haven't seen it in a while, or you, you fall asleep in it like I do, it's worth watching. I love it. Hey, Doug, what do we have coming up in the near future? Let me get my paper. Let me see. Uh, next weekend, uh, butt stuff. Next weekend, um, <laughs> Quail Lodge is no. coming up. Mate, what's what's your butt stuff? What's butt? Oh, the tin. Uh, the brass butt six hundred. Yeah, butt stuff. Brass butt six hundred. <laughs> We're going to be doing a lap around Lake Tahoe. If anyone would like to join us, we are meeting here at the Recycle Garage, and possibly seven thirty to leave, and meeting at the. Denny's in Emeryville at 8.30. Cody's going to, but none of it's going to be on the road. <laughs> we'll all be through this year's in the woods. <laughs> uh, also coming up uh, May 14th is the Quail Lodge Motorcycle Show. Yeah. And also, that's another ride that we can't really advertise. Uh, uh, the We're going to be riding in the Santa Cruz Pride Parade June 5th. Uh, downtown Santa Cruz at about Yay. eleven o'clock. Yeah, it's fun. It's like mm-hmm. you know, ten minutes of riding, but you get to show yourself <laughs> off. But you also get to ride. You get to dress helmet. up. Yeah, uh, the Vampires MC Santa Cruz annual rally is coming up June tenth and eleventh. Um, we're gonna meet up at seven p.m. in Cafe Pergolesi on Friday for the first ride, and then uh, meet up at ten o'clock the next day at Pergolesi for the Saturday ride. And there's free camping and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, am I forgetting anything? No, I think that's it. Other than we just have to thank Cody again for coming out. Um, dude, I mean, I'm when I see your races, I'm like, Rossi who? What? <laughs> right. like, totally. Fucking oh. exciting. Um, Airsberry. Like, oh, my God. Well, you talk about my takeout. At least I didn't kick the guy off the course. <laughs> <laughs> but you I thought about it. You're like, oh. <laughs> No, but it's but something awesome. it, it's something yeah. to watch you race. I mean, you are just laser focused and just driven and boy, I would hate to play checkers with you because you are so competitive. <laughs> I find I'm very good at checkers, so you might as well try and Liza, we're gonna get a chance to see him. He's coming up to you named a lot of countries that he's visited. Mm-hmm. He's going up to Canada in June and twenty fifth. It's gonna be in Calgary. In Calgary. That's nice. our neck of the woods. We'll see him there. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, you definitely have to check that out. It's crazy. But I, I again I will put a link. Um yeah, I'm going to keep following you, and then hopefully we'll get you back here after you graduate and get some more titles and crazy races that you've won. And best of luck, continue to stay injury-free. Uh, again, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I better knock on some wood right now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why did you say that? <laughs> because I'm wishing him the best. <laughs> he, he does a great job. He didn't like that. And then, uh, depending <laughs> on if I can talk my group members into it, it'd be cool. Yeah. If you guys want to see the... Electric bike on a Sunday sometime. Oh, oh yeah. hell yeah! yeah yes, absolutely. Yeah. I've, yes. Been, I've been keeping under the wraps. You haven't seen me post anything about it. Yeah, but it's also kind of not orange, you know. Oh, so yeah. I gotta mm. kind of keeping under the wraps a little bit, but we I'll post sharpies. something when I'm done. We can keep it under wraps, but yeah, that would be <laughs> fun. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd Please be way do. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it's that time again to thank everyone who's listening all the way to this point again thank you it means so much to us that you're listening and enjoying this and and thank you for dropping by uh matt and jay thank you for hosting us yeah i I loved it how you were saying yeah i've been listening to the podcast you know one of my favorites was emma when she came to visit and then who came today you got to meet emma and then last time i was here in december got to meet phil yeah yep phil (laughs) oh yeah he knows how to pick a good time man I know. Yeah, you have been getting lucky. Right, mm-hmm. that's good. Thanks and for having us. And you guys are heading back up to Canada now. On our Canada. way. Yeah. Our yeah. Way. Cool. Take some pizza. That we we <laughs> totally geek out when you guys come and see us. Like it it means a lot to us. Whenever we have listeners come out and we see them like peek around and they're checking it out and we're doing the same thing. We're just like, holy shit, people yeah. listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> and it's kind of funny having Jay back because he's like, like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's fun getting uh, Trevor to come down. You were very helpful today. I yes. appreciated that. Oh my God. You guys are always welcome yeah thank you for having me yeah no very helpful and you even let cat do do it sometimes on her bike i kept saying quick quick doing the work for her (laughs) so you were very very helpful that's just habit from working in a shop i know i know good so i think we're ready to wrap up um Please go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. That's where you'll find our links to our Patreon page and to our YouTube page. Mike keeps putting out more and more videos. Um, You can see videos of of all the guys stacking this weekend, dirt biking. (laughs) Oh, Uh, yeah. That was a crazy crazy fun weekend. There may or may not have been two of Antonio's bikes in a tree. (laughs) (laughs) I caught a glimpse of that. Nice. I had nothing to do with that, uh-huh. even though I'm pointing to the strap <laughs> and directing. No, nah, it was not me. <laughs> nice. And uh, also, you can find our voicemail number there. Call and leave a message. We really appreciate that. As well as, if you go on to iTunes, um, go ahead and leave us a review. It really helps us there, too. It helps other people find us as well. So I think, uh, is there anything else we need to cover, or did I cover it all? There's a lot more to cover. We just ran out of time. We ran out of time. Yeah. You got to save some for next week. <laughs> we had some drag races today, and we oh. had some mm-hmm. dirt biking and all Trevor, sorts of stuff. Trevor, yes, why sir. don't you tell us about your newest acquisition real Oh, quick. man, what an adventure. I started out on uh, Thursday, flew up to Portland, Portland to Medford, picked up from a guy or my buddy from uh, Crescent City, and... Pretty much sold my bike the day before, hmm. flew up with a one-way ticket with a helmet and a jacket, <laughs> and rode down here yesterday on a 2006 Jixxer 750. Nice. It's a sweet nice. bike. It, it is. is. It is. And sweet. I got a really nice ride ahead of me tomorrow morning back to Southern California. Now, is, nice. it, a, is it a sick Jixxer? <laughs> He's a six six jigsaw writer. Yeah, you don't have to answer that. All right, let's, I wasn't going to. let's wrap this up. Thanks again, everyone listening. This is Liza. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. Jay. Jimmy. Bagel. Cody W. Meow. Douglas. Trevor. Charlie. And we are out of here. Cool. cool. <laughs> what was that? <laughs>